Welcome this morning. So glad you chose to be with us here on a Sunday morning. Just wanted to, just before we dive into our message this morning, just wanted to introduce you to someone that's new on our church uh, staff. We've uh, been excited to have uh, Nancy for the last 20 years serving in the, the church office as the office manager, and she continues to, so I'm getting nervous there. Uh, and, and so, but when, when I first started on staff, she had shared that she's typically been four days in the office in the week, and she shared that, and she'd love to someday move to three and be able to spend more time with her grandkids. And so we've worked it out so that we have a new office manager, Stephanie Ross, and Stephanie can stand up real quick and say hi to everybody. <laughs> Stephanie uh, is... A friend of Adrian and I's from Chicago, and so she just made the drive across the country with a girlfriend and just got started in the office this past week, and so we're excited to have Stephanie getting started to help out in the church office and grateful for her, and so make sure you welcome her. And and now just the addition of that, we're also, this is just a little side tip, is that we're going to be open in the church office on Friday. So we've typically, in the past, we've been Monday through Thursday, but now we're expanding that to Friday as well with Stephanie helping out, so... So that's the little uh, update, but I wanted to just get us uh, rolling and moving towards this new series that we're in the second week. We're working through the book of Galatians. If you missed last week, we're still in Galatians 1 in this series called Grace Amplified. You can start turning your Bibles there, but as we're starting to uh, move towards the topic of this morning, I was thinking back to the workshops we've been doing for the last couple weeks. Uh, We've mentioned already this morning the winning the race Idea And this past week, we did a, a special uh, session where he is doing, uh, Dr. Deal was doing some training on reading labels as making wise choices when you're shopping at the grocery store. And it was pretty, pretty funny to see some of the, the labels of some of the content, some of the things that are in, some of the things we eat. If you've never read a Twinkie label or a Doritos label, like words that you can't even pronounce, that you're like, what in the world are they putting into our system? And he was... He was kind of coming to the same conclusion that I've heard from other uh, food specialists is really the best way to eat is what? Back to kind of raw foods and natural stuff. And I thought it's ironic that really the, the movement with, uh, with foods is saying like, hey, let, let's go back to some of the natural things. Let's go back to the free-range chickens, the veggies, the fruits, the, the, the grain-fed uh, or grass-fed cows, the line-caught fish. Like that's, that's the movement. And the irony to me is like, Oh, you mean go back to the way God made things? The, the way that God designed things? What a novelty. Head back to the garden? Yes, that's kind of the idea. That's the conclusion when you're looking at natural health stuff is, is eating and getting back to the way, as close to the way that God designed it as possible. That's what my takeaway. Thank you, Dr. Deal. And, uh, and, and so, but the, the, the thinking and the, what got me starting with that on uh, the track of this morning's topic is really that's the hope for this message here this morning. As Paul, as he's writing the, the church in Galatia, is saying, listen, he's like, as best as we can, we want to get you back to the original origin of the gospel. His point that he's making into this morning's text is saying, it didn't start with me. It didn't start with a man. It wasn't a good idea. It wasn't my, co- my conclusions after my time trying to figure out God It was God speaking down to us saying, this is who I am and this is how a relationship with me is restored. And and, and so his point is saying, hey, let's get back to the purity of the gospel message. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And it happens in two ways. It starts in the beginning of the text where he gives just a simple explanation of the origin of the gospel message. But then, and I love this about Paul, he says, hey, I'm not just going to give these lofty descriptions of what the gospel is. 
I'm going to show you from my life, my testimony, what it looks like to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see not a lofty description in the text, but we're going to see a real life example of grace. And so before we dive into the text, I want to just start with a quick word of prayer. God, we just come to you right now, just grateful, even just to be in your house already this morning for just a sweet chance to just celebrate you, to put the spotlight on you, to, to speak of, uh, of your greatness through song. Thank you so much for just the freedom to do that. And we just pray now as we're going to dive into your word, what you revealed to us, God, that you would just that you would, uh, enlighten us, that you'd bring these, these words to really take root in our lives, that you'd expand our understanding of grace that you would expand just the, uh, the, the scope that we, that we just really start to get at what you've done on our behalf. God, I pray that you'd make uh, less of me and more of you, God, that you'd speak through this text now. We invite you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, if you wouldn't mind turning with me, we're in chapter 1, verse 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, you know what? It's perfect because we have them for you in the chair in front of you. And so you can turn with us there in Galatians. It'll make a whole lot more sense if you're following along. Verse 11 says this in chapter 1. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pause there for a second. The first point that I I'm, that I'm, want to draw your attention to is that he's pointing out the purity of the gospel message. It's 100% pure. He says, for I would have you to know, or in other words, let me make this perfectly clear to you. Don't miss this. I didn't make this up. I didn't hear it from somebody. I wasn't taught it. It's straight directly from the source. It's, it didn't evolve from man's conclusions or any kind of weird, selfish motive, motives. This was directly from God, revealed through Him. I was thinking about that, how many religions have popped up in the, even in the last hundred years that have come from, from motives that maybe, not maybe, are completely human from man's conclusions looking up to heaven. Maybe this is the truth about God. I was reading this week, a couple of quotes I found were interesting uh, uh, from the, the founder of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, this, this was a quote from him. He says, you don't get rich writing science fiction. If you want to get rich, you start a religion. Huh. That's a man I want to follow. His other quote, he went on to say, I have high hopes of smashing my name into history so violently that it will take a, le- take a legendary form even if all books are destroyed. Hmm, a little concerning, a little concerning, I would say. But the, the truth is, is that our world is, is, we're surrounded with religions that have come from man's conclusions about God. What Paul's saying in this context, he's saying, listen, this wasn't my idea. This wasn't what I came up with after my years of life experience. This was, this was directly revealed through Jesus Christ to me. Love that he says there in the verse 11, he says, that was preached by me is not man's gospel. If you think about what would, what would man's gospel look like? Like if we were coming up with the gospel message, it really, if we're honest with ourselves, it wouldn't look anything like the gospel message of the Bible, right? 
Let's think of some of the components of the gospel message. How about this first one? The idea of the gospel teaches that we are evil to our very core. Does that sound like something man made up? Is that, do, we, do we typically, I naturally make excuses and minimize my faults, right? When, when the question comes in the interview, what are your weaknesses? You're like, you know, I love too deeply and care too much. You know, like, like, you're, like, like you try that one sometime. The, uh, like the, the, the truth is, we, we want to we minimize, we don't want to admit that we're the problem. Naturally, we're, that, that goes against the very grain of our, our nature, the way that we're wired up, is to admit our faults. I saw this, uh, this video this past week that I thought captured this well, our inability to admit that we're the problem. Let's take a look at this real quick. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head it is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop then... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just- Don't! That brought a smile to my face. I love when she mentions the snag sweaters. The, um, but that idea is, is this, is that a lot of times we're so quick to blame anything else. We don't want to pause to say, hey, it's me. Maybe, maybe my sin problem is the issue. And so if man was coming up with the gospel message, like that wouldn't have been our conclusion, right? It would, we, we lean a little bit more towards that, not admitting that we've got the problem, that we've got the issue. Not man-made is the point in the text that, that Paul's saying. He's like, I didn't come up with this. We wouldn't admit that we're evil to the core. How about this? That we're headed to eternal punishment in hell. Do you think that sounds like something that, that, that man came up with? Do we have a tendency to want to amplify the, uh, the consequences of our sins, or do we want to minimize them, Right? We have more of a, a propensity to want to say like, hey, come on, why is the sirens back there? I was only going nine over. Like everybody knows that you're allowed to do nine, not ten. Like we want to minimize the, 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 the consequences of our actions rather than own that. That's not what, this wouldn't be the gospel message that man would come up with. Or how about this aspect of the gospel message? I can't fix it. I can't fix it. I can't solve my own problem. We're in a performance-based culture. Like, we're, we're surrounded with that. And the idea of me not being able to do anything about it, that's foreign to us. 
Like, when was the last time you heard some kind of a self-help person saying, like, you know what, you're right, you can't do it. You are a failure. You'll never get better. Like, that's what the gospel message, that's grace. Grace tells us we can't solve it on our own, and there's nothing we can do about it. Love this quote by MacArthur. He says this, Our pride is offended by the idea that only God's grace could save us from sin and insists on having part in our own salvation. This idea, our pride doesn't want to admit that. And so he's making the case here, this, wasn't a, this is not a man-made thing. It, it wouldn't make sense that we would come to that conclusion. Or how about the idea of the gospel message that there's one God? That there's one God. If you're making up your own gospel and your own, your own truth, you wouldn't come to that conclusion. Is that, a, is that inviting religion? Is that an including religion? No, it's a pretty exclusive deal to make that claim. It wouldn't be what man would come up with. The idea, if you think about it yourself, wouldn't you much rather be like, yeah, all gods are great, you know? Like, sure, like, like Allah, like, yeah, we're, we're following the same God. But, but wait a second, we, we can't do that. Because Allah didn't have a son, and my God did. Like, it doesn't work. So the, as much as we want to be inclusive, that's not what the gospel message is. That's not what, what our God, when he's speaking his truth, when he revealed himself to us, that's not what he did. That's not what he did. Or, or how about one other aspect, not just one God, but one way to get there. Is that a very man-made thing? Was that, does that sound very inclusive in how you expand your popularity base? Not really. John Irwin, this past week, I was talking with him. He was scheduled yesterday to go and do a training uh, workshop all day for a group of chaplains uh, that, are, that are connected with the penitentiary system. Am I correct in this? And, uh, and they, uh, so he was all prepared, ready to go. Uh, they were even in the office helping kind of get the, the notes ready for that this week. And he, he, he goes already, he passes on his notes to the director. They see, see his notes, and guess who got canceled? They're like, John, that's way too Christian. <laughs> that's, that, that's way too Christian for us to present that kind of material. And, uh, and, and so like, like I was just thinking about it. Like our, our culture, the natural thing, the natural thing isn't the idea of one God, isn't the idea of, of one way of being restored to him. That's, there's nothing man-made about it. And that's what he's starting off our text with is saying, you know, it came directly from the source. It's 100% pure. A revelation of Jesus Christ, the one God in the flesh, God in the earth suit. That's where my truth came from. It didn't come from me. And he goes on after this, after explaining or starting, he goes on to then talk about his own story, saying, going into pre-conversion, conversion, and what life was like, been, has been like since Christ. And the, that's the rest of our text this morning. He's making the case, hey, not only is this not from me, you can see even from my, Paul saying this, even from my own life, that this, trans, this 180 degree turn isn't possible within my own self. Take a look in verse 13. He starts painting the picture of the old him, the old me. It says this, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church, uh, church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism be- beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Look at that for a second there. First, to say he refers to his former life. This is the direction, in other words, this is the direction I used to be headed. I was going this way. I was, I was headed 180 degrees, the opposite direction. 
Judaism at its very root is diametrically opposed to the message of grace. Judaism, the idea is that enough works, it's a works-based thing, idea that if you do enough good deeds, that you'll earn your way, you'll earn your way to God, to, to, his, to his favor. But Paul's saying, listen, I was, I was top of my class. I was advanced. I was, a, I was ahead of all of the other guys. I was, I was moving up in ranks faster than anybody else. And he says, I was committed to this. And I love, he uses the word that he was extremely zealous. Extremely zealous. A lot of times in, in our culture, we think of, of other faiths and other belief systems. And you're like, yeah, but they're, they're really zealous. They're really passionate about what they believe. Do you think it's possible to have something that you're passionate about and it still be wrong? Right? Is that, is that possible? That's what we're seeing that he's pointing to. He's saying, listen, I was zealous about this. I was the top of my class. I was passionate about it. But I, 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 I ended up discovering that that wasn't the way. What he points out is not only was he, was he zealous and, and passionate about it, I mean, he was sold out. He was even trying to destroy. And I know you guys all know the story of Saul, but he was literally trying to end this, this movement, this, this movement of the beginning of the, the church of Christ. He was trying to smash it at its birth. So not only was he a passionate rule follower, he was, he was directly opposed to the church of Christ. He was committed to him. That was the old him. That was the, that was the old thing that he was, that he was committed to. And the, the, the truth is, if you think about making a case why the, for the purity of the gospel message, this is another case for that. He's saying, listen, it wouldn't make sense that I was going this way and things got redirected. It wouldn't make sense. I was zealous. I was passionate. I was sold out to the point that I was trying to murder, other, that I was trying to murder Christians. It wouldn't make sense. But the neat thing in his testimony is, and the neat thing in all of our stories, in verse 15, we're going to see here in a second, is that there is a but God moment. A but God moment. Take a look at verse 15, says this. But, went and thank the Lord for buts in scripture. Well, sorry, that didn't come out right. But, but, when, but when he, but when, I didn't do that in the first service tonight. Uh, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I was thinking about this, the, the but God moment in his, in his life was exactly here. He was headed this direction. He was, he was zealous. He was passionate about things. He was about trying to earn his way to God, earn his way. But then God interfered. God intervened. And a lot of us can think back in our own stories to our, our but God moments. When he chose to say, you know what? I know you're going this direction. I know you're doing your own thing. But I'm going re- to make myself irresistible in your life. Can anybody else point to that time? You're like, man, there was a time that it came where I couldn't even, I could, I could no longer resist him. He was pursuing me with such intensity. I couldn't get him off of my mind. I couldn't get him off of my heart. And that's what, exactly what happened in Paul's life. Look at the text of the, the, the scope of grace that occurred. It says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born. Think about that truth. Set me apart. Picked, he picked us before we were even born, before we even came into existence, before I was born. And who called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son to me. So he picked him, he called him, he revealed himself to him. The scope of God's grace is unbelievable. 
His grace is in the pursuit and in the reveal. The idea of us, we're running off doing our own thing and God's voice came thundering through. When I was growing up, my dad was the director of a camp for the handicapped in Ohio and we were actually lived on the, on the campgrounds there and it was kind of a neat upbringing because my, I was surrounded by just tons of, of woods and so me and my best friend, his name was Sherm, isn't that a funny name? Sherman, short for. And uh, we, would, we would leave in the morning at sunrise, and we would just be out exploring from like sunups till sundown. But the only pause in our day, the only thing that drew us back, and you can kind of guess what that was, was mom at the top of the hill. It's dinner time. It's lunch time. And then all the, the crawdads get dropped. The snakes get left alone. And uh, you're running back to get to, to eat. And I was, I was thinking about that. What an awesome picture of exactly what God did in his life and in, in our lives is that call, that call, like you're busy doing your own thing. You are playing with the, the snakes. You're there goofing around with crawdads and getting caught up in things that have no eternal significance. And then God intervened, the but God moment. He called out to us. He called out to us. He pursued us. I personally believe when you start to unpack the scope of God's grace, I think we're going to get to heaven and be really surprised at how little we had to do with any of this. Like, honestly, like I, I think the, the more I understand the, the scope of God's pursuit, the fact that he picked us, he pursued us, he revealed himself to us, there's a, there's a certain part of you that's like, wow, well, what was my part in that? Exactly. You just define grace. You know what I'm saying? It's not because of us. It's not because of my works of righteousness. It's not a something of my merit. It's solely because of his pursuit of me. And that should be humbling. That should bring us to our knees and be like, man, God, what an awesome thing grace is. What an awesome thing grace is. Well, how irresistible your will is. If you think about the, the truth of God's will in our lives, like how if, if it's true of what I'm saying here, of how little we have to do with any of it, like isn't, doesn't that ripple into everything else in our lives that we're just like, why do I resist him on anything? Why don't I just submit? If God's going to do what he's going to do in my life, whether I come willingly or kicking and screaming, wouldn't it be a lot easier to just submit, to just raise the white flag and be like, all right, God, I surrender. You do what you choose to do. I give up. I give up. For Christmas, I uh, surprised our kids with a little addition after they're done opening, the, opening their presents. I came out with a, a gift card, and the gift card said, and they all opened it together, it says, this coupon is good for the purchase of a dog in 2014. And, uh, and they had been begging and pleading for a dog for so long. And I, I had put up the good fight, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and finally, actually, my neighbor said to me, he said, uh, he, or she said to me, she said, you know, when I, t- I turned a corner with getting a dog is when I realized that life isn't just about me. I was like, ooh, ouch. <laughs> okay, so, so, we, uh, so we, I broke down. I said, you know what, but we're not going to do the puppy thing. We're going to do a, a couple-year-old dog th- deal so we can skip the potty training junk and all of that. And so we got this, this dog off Craigslist. It's a cockapoo. You can see the picture there. And uh, our little kids have loved this dog. Its name is Bailey. And uh, it's three years old or four years old. And, uh, and just the sweetest little dog. But the thing that I noticed and the reason I bring that up because when we first got this dog, like the kids are trying to carry it by one leg, and they're—I mean, they—they they think it's a, a stuffed animal carrying it around. And at first, the dog would kind of put up a fight and freak out. But what I've noticed over time is over the last month, now when the kids try to carry it, it just lets itself just kind of go limp. 
It just kind of just kind of lets them scoop scoop that dog up and do whatever they're going to do with that thing. Send it down the slide, whatever they're going to do. Jump off the top bunk. Uh, and, and so, uh, so, so I was thinking about that. I was like, man, what is the? Isn't that the picture of, of grace in our life? Like, isn't that the picture of grace? Like, instead of, like, trying to resist and be, like, what if we just kind of let ourselves go loose and said, all right, God, you do it. You do whatever you want in and through me. I'm available. I'm here. You move me around. You, you make the legs. You know what I mean? Like a puppet. You know, like, you, you do what you're going to do. That, that's the point that we see in this, this, ex, this explanation of what happened in Paul's life. He said, listen, I, I, I picked you out. I called you by my grace. I revealed myself to you. But then listen what, what he says. In order that, what? In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. A lot of times we forget that. That's a critical part of the, that's, a, that's, the, that's the important but God principle, is that we're, sa- we're, that we're not just saved to sit on our butts. That's, the, that's the, the but God principle. We're not just saved to sit on our butts. God called him and says, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did this for a reason, God says. I did this because I had a purpose for you. Not only is my grace one that pursues, not only is one that reveals, I also have a purpose that I've called you to. I've called you to preach me to the world around you. I've called you to preach me. I've called you, what does it say? In order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I was convicted of that because a lot of times we get confused on what we're to preach. A lot of times we're wondering, are we, are we, are we preaching like good works? Are we, are we preaching to be more Christian-like, to stop smoking, to stop drinking? Are we, what, what are we actually preaching? I think we get diverted on that topic all the time. We get caught up on all these peripheral things. And what he's saying, hey, let, let's just be, break it down. What I called you to preach was him, was Jesus Christ. What are we called to preach? Same thing, him, Jesus Christ. Now let's, let's not complicate this. Let's not get diverted on, on how old the earth is. Let's not get diverted on, on some of the peripheral things. Let's get caught up on what he says we're to preach, to preach him, Jesus. Don't get sidetracked in your conversations. Bring them back to Jesus. So this was Paul's but God moment. And then the last section is really the, the, the new him, the new me. Take a look in the second half of verse 16. It says, I did not, after this but God moment, he says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the, James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They, they only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. We'll stop there today. The, the description here in this last section is this. He's saying, listen, the, the new me, he's making the case. He's saying, listen, I didn't get this from human origin. I didn't get this. In fact, I didn't even rub shoulders. He's saying, I didn't even rub shoulders with the other apostles. I didn't hang out with Peter. This was all going back to the, the plea that he had made before. This was all directly from God. 
This, that's, that's the source of the gospel that I'm, treat, that I'm teaching you. Paul went away to Arabia where most scholars agree that he was trained directly by Christ himself for three years. Now, we don't exactly know what that's like, but what he's making, he's saying, listen, I'm not lying about this. It wasn't from the other apostles. It wasn't from somebody else. It wasn't from, it wasn't from somebody teaching me or sitting down with me. It wasn't from Peter, the rock of the church. It wasn't from him. It was from God. It was from God directly. And then the interesting thing that you'll see there in the text is that when he started then to preach after those three years of training, what did the people notice? They say, hey, he's preaching the same God. It's, it's the same message. They are only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. They weren't pointing that it was a different faith. They're saying it was unified. And so the same truth that they were presenting, God unified Paul in that same exact truth. It's an awesome, another proof to what, what had happened there. Is he had taken him, downloaded God, the gospel message into him, and then used him mightily to reach the nations. This section there, he says, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. I love it. Another example of like, there's no human explanation. This was a guy that was, and you guys know the story of Saul. This was the guy that was everything anti-Christ. And now he's preaching the exact same message. What happened here? I love the outcome because it says, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. They glorified God because of me. You see the outcome of grace is God's glory. The appropriate result of grace is God being glorified. So you think about your story and your testimony. What is supposed to be the outcome of it? What's, what's, what's to come of this? Did God just save you just so you could sit in your room and be like, yeah, this is awesome. God saved me. Like, no, it's, it's a means to then glorify God for others, for others to see like, man, look at that transformation. A lot of times we'll sit around and talk about the, the olden days. Like, man, I was the, almost comparing notes. And you're like, man, I was the worst sinner ever. You have no idea. I was so into this bad stuff. And I did this and this. We kind of, as Christians, we kind of have this club of sharing like the worst stories. Oh, yeah, well, I really smoked weed. You know, like we, we go into like, uh, like you, go, you go into all these like comparisons. But what, what's the point of that? The only point of sharing the old is to amplify what had actually happened by God's transformational power in your life, right? That's the reason you bring up the old. It's not to to celebrate that. What's that about? That's silliness. The the, the point of the, the gospel is that when grace is revealed in someone's life, when grace occurs, the outcome, what's supposed to come from that, is then the amplification of God. That he gets the glory, that he gets the praise. When he sees your life, I want every single life in here to be a spotlight of God's grace and kindness, right? That's what we want to go into our world doing just as we're, oh man, we want to be braggers on God, braggers on what Jesus Christ did in our life. When we start to realize the scope of it, you're like, I had nothing to do with that. He did everything. He pursued me. He picked me before I was born. He revealed himself to me. He gave me a purpose. He gave me a calling. He did all of it. And when you start to actually settle in and let that truth sink in, how little it has to me, there's freedom in that. There's a peace in that. It has nothing to do with me. It's all about him. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for this text and this reminder about grace that we don't get confused and we get caught up and we can even go back to the, some of the same things that, that Paul was caught up in, getting zealous about peripheral things.
God, I pray that you'd keep us focused on you and what you've done for us, your grace, how amazing it is. I pray that as we go into our weeks that we would, that we would just bask in that grace, that it would move us to speak of your grace, that we wouldn't be ashamed of it, that we would, that we would take risks in conversation, that we'd be braggers of you because of what you've done in, your, in our lives. God, we're so grateful. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.